Today, I talk with Professor Nixon Muganda Ochara. He's a research professor at the University of Venda, South Africa. He's also a visiting professor at the University of Witwatersrand, South Africa. He has held visiting position at Southern University A&M, USA, Mandumeya Nedemafayo University, Angola, IST University, Flensburg University of Applied Sciences, Germany, among others. Professor Ochara has a PhD in Information Systems from University of Cape Town, South Africa. Prior to joining academia, he held various positions in the private sector, like Africa Online, a Pan-African Internet Service Provider, and Symfony, an IBM distributor. He has forged research programs in open development innovations, business analytics, digital government, digital governance, national information infrastructures, IST governance, and electronic business. He has published in leading information system journals such as Government Information Quarterly, Information Technology and People, Information Technology for Development, among others. He has also published a paper on the logic of theoretical argument in research. Today, with Professor Ochara, we talk about how in philosophy you start from the social problem, how you express your beliefs through philosophy, the need of ice emancipation, contextual, scientific and philosophical emancipation, that each voice needs to be heard and much more. With this, it is my pleasure to bring you Professor Muganda Ochara. Good morning, Professor Muganda. Uh, thank you for accepting uh, to be guest in our Sikville uh, podcast. I'm happy that today we will be able to uh, talk about your experience uh, and your perspectives that are regarded to information systems and philosophical uh, thinking. Welcome. Uh, good morning, uh, Prof. Santa. I'm happy to be here. And I hope that, uh, you know, we will get to what you set the meeting to achieve. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And I think that the best way to start the talk is to just a little bit uh, you provide a little bit historical, let's say, overview of uh, how you got involved in philosophical uh, thinking, how you actually, in a way, um, engaged in this, uh, um, I would say, practice uh, and, let's say, including that practice in your writings, in your uh, publications. Okay, I, I'll, I'll need to give a little bit of background to it uh, so that... Um... Uh, you can yes, see the journey, so, yeah. so those who are listening can see the journey. Um, my background was is from a business school background, and uh, so my training was in management science or operations research. Uh, so in the approach to operations research, uh, you know, the scientific method is, is, is the focus. Uh, you know, yeah. the emphasize, this is how to do, uh, you know, uh, any operations research project or any uh, handling any operations research uh, problem. And then, so that, that is my undergraduate degree. And then I, I, I still continue and do an MBA, uh, you know, still within the business school, uh, specializing in uh, management information systems. Now, all through those years, uh, the emphasis uh, was really in positivistic thinking and how to do uh, research. And uh, so I started being introduced to other ways of thinking when I started my PhD at University of Cape Town, uh, you know, doing, uh, pursuing a PhD in information systems. Yeah. Uh, that is when through research seminars 
for the first time, I started being exposed to other ways of thinking, other philosophical ways of thinking uh, that sort of, uh, uh, you know, jolted me out of yeah. thinking only posit uh, the positivist way. And, and so I started wondering at that point, prob probably there is a better way of uh, doing research or looking at a research from a different perspective rather than from this positivistic uh, perspective only. So uh, from my perspective, I think uh, I started having uh, that uh, in-depth awareness of the role of philosophy in research at the PhD level. Uh, uh, through the research seminars that we, we had and the writings that we were doing. Uh, yeah. But also there was an influence from, you know, uh, my, my, my supervisor. Uh, yeah. Because in my interactions with my supervisor is a very positivist, uh, he has a very positivist way of doing things. And uh, in one of my conversations with him, uh, he indicated to me that uh, because I told him, you know, I'm a religious person. I go to church on Saturday. Um, and then he told me that, you know, he doesn't, he's not religious at all. And that, that worried me because I was already, uh, you know, uh, concerned that when you get into higher levels of study, uh, then even your religious life is affected because you may forget about God. Yeah. So that really scared me. And mm -hmm. I started really looking in deeply into the philosophical aspects of, of, of research. Um, I, I, have, I have to be stopping, otherwise I'll talk forever. No, no, it's, a, it's a, just good that you are giving your perspective. So it's actually, you got it in the, uh, in the PhD because you started uh, wondering, but is this, let's say, um, and you talked uh, about uh, the, the mentor, the important role of the mentor, and does it, Let's say, how did you explore these different uh, perspectives? Um, that was um, through discussion with people or reading materials, self-study or uh, gaining, let's say, access to different courses? Uh, actually, I read a lot of material. And in my class, uh, that PhD class, uh, I focused on, I was looking at critical theory I forgot about positivist approach because I said, I've uh, been brought through that way of thinking. And yeah. now I'm being exposed to other ways uh, that helps me to look at the world in a different way. So I started looking at, you know, the, the, the history of these philosophical thoughts, let me call it that, whether it is critical yeah. theory, uh, critical realism, interpretive research, ETC. I, yeah. I did a lot of reading uh, looking at who are even the, some of the first people to, to, to start talking about them. Uh, so one of my mentors, when I was uh, zeroing in on uh, critical theory and critical realism, yeah. uh, really, really poured cold water on critical theory. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he sort of understood me because the, the research that I wanted to do, I wanted to let people that we need to, when we do research, we need to cause a change. So the concept of emancipation was always coming up, uh, you know, in the, in the philosophical, philosophical thought of critical theory uh, and as well critical realism. And yeah. uh, so with, uh, you know, discussions with my mentor, uh, 
uh, sort of we zeroed in on critical realism because it then allowed me uh, to look at the problem in different ways. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I just add that I was also guided by other writings uh, from those in information systems, uh, you know, such as uh, Professor John Mangas and others. Yeah. So yeah. I then started zeroing in on uh, critical realism. Uh, but the, the, the concept that drew me there was the idea that, uh, you know, while we do research in the context that I am in or we are in, uh, we need to sort of elevate the idea of emancipation. In other words, try to change something, uh, you know, in the context that uh, you are in. So this is how I was moving, uh, you know, towards the direction of critical realism, uh, Prof. What, what, I, what I hear now is uh, it's a very interesting, uh, let's say, um, idea and let's say uh, goal in a way why we need to uh, explore different philosophical streams is like what you mentioned is emancipation and then you say okay my uh, my overall goal is to change uh, things and to let's say uh, by looking on a different perspectives is actually to uh, how uh, bring changes in the in the in the field but I, I have sense that we are talking about also bringing changes in the in the society, and that is maybe the reason why you needed to go in the early writings, the people who started uh, uh, from them. So, what I see is that you actually connect philosophical, let's say, base as a very needed thing uh, to for a practical, let's say, contributions. Am I on the right? Uh, a summary tracking on this, or I, I'm mistaking. Yeah, I think that is uh, the direction I took. Uh, that um, uh, because uh, my 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 thoughts were that when we are doing research, uh, partly we must try and contribute in a practical way through changing through changing society. We can change society. We can change minds. Even the students that we supervise. Uh, we should be influencing them to go and change society. And particularly because uh, information systems uh, has been regarded as part, one of those practice disciplines. Uh, we require that kind of thinking, the idea that we need to uh, try and change uh, things. So um, uh, the, the, what you are bringing out is how I was driven into uh, you know the the philosophical thought of critical realism. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because if you read if you read the writings, for instance, by Denmark and Sawyer, yeah. they actually give uh, a process of how to go about it. Uh, let, and let me add, I am more oriented towards the the critical realism thought of Roy Basker. Yeah. And so it, it has been expounded by a number of people, such as Denmark and Sawyer, and they gave. Uh, they give uh, a certain way of approaching it. And one of them highlight that, you know, for uh, when you focus on critical realism, you start from the social problem. So what is the social problem that you want to address? Uh, and, you know, from that, then you go through a process of how do you then uh, address that social problem? So yeah. the fact that it forces you to zero in on what is this social problem? Is it well understood? Uh, you know, uh, that program of action was, you know, it really attracted me in terms of how to carry out research, uh, Prof. And 
what, what is interesting, but um, for example, now do you, um, let's say, as uh, using this, um, how to say, uh, critical realism, do you, for example, as you um, move from uh, one stream to another uh, uh, stream, now how do you actually see and discuss with people how you justify or with your students how the process is? For example, if somebody is interested for an, for another stream, so what what is what is your opinion about this? Uh, let's say multiple perspectives of um, reality and based on these uh, people to let's say continue doing positivist research or do engage in interpretative or engage in critical realism how do you let's say uh, enable them to switch thinking or based on your experience or do you have let's say um, more allowing uh, people to move and uh, what uh, stream they want to use? Um, my, my, my thinking around that and also how I've approached it yeah. is, to, is to listen to the student. Uh, and, and I'm saying this because I think uh, when, you, when you talk about your philosophical orientation or it, it has to boil down eventually to what you believe. And um, so, so for me, as a supervisor, as a mentor, uh, they will know that uh, my, my thinking is in critical realism. That is how I want to do my things, uh, my influences. Uh, that is what influences me. So if I'm trying to approach a problem, uh, that idea of emancipation needs to come in. Uh, through in the, in the kind of projects that I do. So the, 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 the first answer that I want to give is um, at a personal level, I don't think it is a good idea to be switching from one to the other. So if, if I'm well entrenched in critical realism, uh, I need to make a contribution in that area uh, in my lifetime, it should be visible that this is how I've made a contribution in terms of uh, philo philosophical thought. However, how I deal with the students is I must listen to them because if I believe in critical realism, that this is the way of doing things, uh, the students are also coming to you with a certain way of belief yeah. uh, that this is their approach to uh, reality, this is their approach to how they want to look at the world. And so if a student comes to me and says, look, I think in, in terms of the problem that I'm looking at, uh, I would rather approach it from a design science perspective or a pragmatism approach, ETC. Yeah. Then I will indicate to them, well, that's fine. Uh, uh, those, I, I understand uh, that process. I understand yeah doing research in that area, uh, but so long as we understand each other. So what I'm saying is, I really want the student to, to come in. Uh, we need to listen to uh, that student. What, 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 it, what is it they want to do? And can you fit in that particular program? Now, yeah. while they're in the program, obviously there are certain influences, uh, you know, I'm likely to have that, you know, look, we are in the context of Africa or we are in this particular context of a disadvantaged uh, organization. How can you, through this 
you know, design science yeah. perspective, how can you cause a change? So through that, then, uh, you know, I started bringing my influence in terms of uh, uh, my, my belief in critical realism. Yeah. yeah, excellent. And when we are talking now for the, for the philosophical, let's say, perspective you have, um, my, my question is how you, let's say, um, convert that philosophical thinking to your philosophical writing. It doesn't need to necessarily be philosophical writing, but how this perspective of critical realism that you have influences your writing and your, let's say, um, uh, how to say, communication of your uh, uh, scientific contribution. Um, do you need to clearly state, uh, do you always clearly state in that your papers or do you, let's say, try to explore it in a direction of how this could be fitted or even on the, the higher level to actually make a real philosophical contribution to that philosophical stream, which are not only or not necessarily is related. Yes, so sometimes, you know, depending on, now I'm referring to maybe a publication outlet, for instance. Yeah. Uh, sometimes depending on the publication outlet and we are influenced by, uh, by their requirements, uh, you know, and sometimes they state these are the kind of research that we want to, uh, uh, to publish. Uh, what I want to say is that uh, I normally try to state upfront that yeah. this research is influenced by this kind of philosophical thought. Uh, so depending on the outlet, uh, I may not spend a lot of time writing about it, but uh, definitely, for instance, in the research methodology section, uh, I would, for instance, indicate that, you know, uh, this study was approached from a critical realist perspective, you know, in the manner of so-and-so and leave it and leave it there and then go into uh, the methodological details uh, that that are now uh, you know to prove to prove in terms of evidence how we went about uh, going about uh, the the research so uh, for me i think is it is it is uh, critical it is imperative that you you clearly state uh, you know that philosophical stance so that uh, your reader they knows uh, those claims that you will eventually make, uh, you know, in your paper, they should understand that uh, it is that kind of, uh, that philosophical thought that is guiding uh, those kinds of claims that you're making. So yeah. if, if I clearly state out that I'm using a critical realist approach um, in my study, so when I start zeroing in on uh, you know, what are the kinds of emancipatory goals that we are driving at, then it yep. should have linked already to, to that philosophical thought. So I think uh, writers should not be shy to, to be clear in terms yep. of what is influencing them and how uh, the, the philosophy that they have adopted uh, is then driving them towards particular goals. Uh, because if you are not that uh, deliberate and clear, um, you know, sometimes people do not know where to place you. Yeah. I have also behaved like that by not stating sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. because sometimes we are, we are under pressure to write <laughs> things in a particular outlet, but, you know, their interest is not there. So, yeah. for example, because, you, you know, if, 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 if I look at critical realism and the way it allows 
uh, it allows you to make an argument for a multi-methodological approach. Yeah. So if I write a paper where I'm emphasizing quantitative analysis, uh, sometimes, and the target journal wants, or the conference wants that approach. Uh, you know, yeah. sometimes uh, I, I've been, uh, I don't want to say, mm-hmm. I've not been clear that I was approaching this from a critical realist perspective, but I, I want to see the quantitative aspect uh, be seen much more clearly and let people judge it that probably this is a positivist paper. I don't think it's right. We need to be clear in terms of the philosophical thought. And here on, on the writing, I just want to maybe talk a little bit more about, um, uh, I went in the, before we started talking and afterwards, um, I went through the papers you have um, written. And I just want to bring um, attention to the AMSIS paper you wrote. I think it's 2013 something, which was uh, on abduction, which is actually part of the critical uh, realism, let's say, uh, uh, approaches. And um, how can you just, let's say, um, tell us how, how did you came to the idea and how you wrote and then I would like to say why afterwards you didn't continue because later on there was, let's say, um, after that paper, there is less philosophically inspired papers related to information systems. Um, yes, yeah, so... A hard question, I, I know, but I, I think it's... <laughs> yeah, that, that paper had a long history. Yeah. Uh, which, which, which actually didn't just start with the, my questioning. Uh, yeah. You know, for me, the problem individually, uh, the problem was how we move from even understanding what we need to study. You know, what is the problem? How do we reason about even the problem itself? Um, uh, and then the different modes of reasoning that, that, that we see is at play or dominant in the kind of research that we do, uh, we mostly hear about either, <coughs> excuse me, uh, deductive reasoning or, or inductive reasoning. So for me, those two constants uh, disturbed me. And then, so that was my questioning throughout even while I was studying. And then when I was now uh, teaching uh, a doctoral seminar, uh, so obviously this is a group that Uh, that is at the highest level, they really want to understand the process. Uh, We continue to struggle in that seminar, me and the students that we have in that uh, doctoral seminar. Uh, How do you even conceptualize uh, a research problem? Uh, I I don't think we even have an answer properly, even as we speak. Uh, So this is is how, uh, so through that doctoral seminar and the kind of questions uh, that the students are asking, uh, some of them, I couldn't give a straight answer. Uh, you know, let's yeah. try and get some sample papers. We see how, you know, a number of people in the field have tried to conceptualize the problem. Uh, so this, this was the genesis of me trying to figure out, okay, so when people to- are talking about inductive reasoning and deductive reasoning, is that is that it? And we know that when you talk about deductive reasoning, it's been used a lot in the form of research where you basically test theory. So 
but you have not you have not found out you have not conceptualized the problem properly so in my readings of critical realism then i then come up with uh, you know concepts such as retroduction and abduction which which have you know they have been in the literature for a while yeah and for a, at least uh, a century I, yes mm-hmm. so i started uh, asking myself but if these other modes of reasoning uh, are there apart from deductive reasoning and uh, inductive reasoning how are they then used in research yeah. uh, so that paper was my first attempt to try and understand uh, the idea of retroduction and abduction uh, to put them to try and put them in a research map that look um, if you really look at the role of retroduction in research it tries to help us conceptualize problems better because from a reproductive perspective it allows you to look at for instance the effects of something you know when you're looking at when you're conceptualizing a problem you're looking at this maybe the symptoms of something or the effects yeah. of something uh, so uh, the re- the reproductive mode so my argument was the reproductive mode of reasoning uh, allows you to 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 borrow concepts for you to conceptualize the problem because deductive reasoning doesn't uh, it comes later if you're doing for example uh, hypothesis testing or inductive reasoning as as is used in uh, the building of the, uh, of theory so part of the literature was saying that actually reproductive reasoning can be used in problem discovery uh, and so uh, uh, that was part of the genesis of that paper to try and figure out how do we how do we actually come up with problems and abduction uh, I, i know this literature that also says sometimes reduction and abduction are yeah. uh, looked at uh, similarly but there is also other literature that says that in fact uh, abduction can be used to uh, as we are making inferences towards the conclusion when you are trying to find uh, how do i explain what i have come up with yeah. uh, at the end so you find it towards the, the conclusions of the chapter uh, or the conclusion of the research project uh, research project that is from another way of thinking yeah. so this is this this was the genesis of that paper it is unfortunate that i didn't follow up i know there's another uh, gentleman i met from germany who who we needed to write something with uh, but probably i'm still going to uh, do something now i also just want to mention that i was not the only one who was being disturbed about how even to how do do we even conceptualize problems etc there's a, a gentleman uh, professor mm-hmm. mark arthur uh, from yeah. university of kwazulu natal he actually did his phd yeah. in, in this area trying to figure out how do students uh, conceptualize how do researchers conceptualize problems what are some of the issues they go through uh, and yeah. you know part of his research he, he, he consulted me on Uh, some of these challenges that our doctoral students yeah. uh, are facing so this is this was the genesis of that paper of amsis 2013 and I, may, maybe i'm wrong uh, or uh, but i see that you actually try to have a broader perspective from um, only looking on information systems like what you what you talking he says like 
we need to make a contribution to the discovery, let's say. And uh, we need to explore how different type of reasoning approaches might make a contributions to that, um, let's say, domain. And my, my question is like, uh, I'm having the feeling that uh, you want to make contribution to the philosophical stream. And very often when I discuss with us scholars and they say, okay, I see philosophy as something which is given to me, invented, proposed, let's say by somebody else, very often in some other field. And then I try to use it and include it in the, in the research I'm trying to do it. So if it's critical realism, it's maybe it's from, or um, other approaches from sociology or some other, uh, let's say, maybe mathematics, etc. approaches, then I say I use that in my research, but I don't try to feedback uh, the results or the contributions I make to this, let's say, overall um, philosophical stream and agenda. And I have a sense that you were actually also trying to make a feedback uh, to that uh, uh, to that general stream. Uh, what is your opinion on this, let's say, relations? Just using, so you can actually justify it. I'm using critical realism. I use mixed methods. And then you have the line of argument. And this is how the domain where I apply it. And these are the results. And thank you very much. But you are actually going and saying, okay, there is critical realism. This is multi-method. There is reasoning. I make this. And I aim to bring it back to critical realism on a general field. Do you think this... First, am I right in this reasoning, which I, this logic, which I explained it? And the second one, which is, what is your opinion about uh, we as I as a scholar to actually uh, make contributions to the general philosophical streams? Um, you are right. Uh, my, and, and first of all, if you look at even the readings that we, uh, that, that I referred to, yeah. they, they are not, uh, you know, just most of them are not information systems articles. Yep. And uh, so you can see where the, uh, where the contribution was, uh, I mean, for us to understand, uh, you know, reproduction, abduction, you know, uh, and how it is used apart from deductive reasoning and inductive reasoning. Uh, I had to rely on writings from other disciplines, <coughs> excuse me, yes. okay. uh, to be able to try and conceptualize uh, those ideas uh, and when, when I was writing it, I was not thinking of information systems at that time uh, because we, we, we have doctoral students from uh, different disciplines. Yeah. Uh, uh, I brought in the information systems when I saw the, and I'm now targeting AMSIS, and yeah. it is an information systems uh, outlet. So yeah. for me, uh, my first thinking is that we need to, I mean, information systems or, or, or any scholar for that matter needs to find a voice in terms of how they contribute in the, in the philosophical debates. Even, even those who are in different disciplines, whether it is in physics or in biology, uh, those who are trying to contribute at the philosophical level, uh, I think they are not limited uh, by the disciplines that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that created them. Yeah. But when, once you are contributing at that level, then uh, you know you are contributing to a much broader audience. And I think uh, when we start doing that, then uh, IS may 
become stronger by not by not continuing to borrow all the time from other disciplines. We know that yeah. we do this. Even the theories, most of the theories, yes, there are theories that have emerged uh, from information systems, but we know that uh, a lot of the theories that we use, that we propose even to other researchers uh, were developed elsewhere. I think when we start contributing at uh, that level, then we'll be sort of mature enough and confident enough to start proposing those theories that have yep. built on our contributions at that at that level. So I, I really, really think that uh, we we need to be bold enough uh, yep. to start saying this is uh, these are the kind of contributions we are making at the level of uh, philosophy, and we should not be shy about it. I mean, if if we see the kind of changes that are now happening. Uh, in the in, in the world, uh, whether we talk about the 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 the, the, in, the impact of COVID and how uh, uh, yeah. you know IT artifacts and the ones that are now being used to 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 address some of this problem, uh, it, it it gives us a chance that look uh, these are very important disciplines and we yeah. must be able to contribute at a much much broader level rather than being limited from a disciplinary perspective, uh, Prof. So what I hear now and what, what, how we started and what I hear now yeah. is we started that with we need to make change, we need to um, provide emancipation. And now I have the feeling that we are talking about IS, information systems emancipation. And that in this, we need to, let's say, set free from the, uh, the how to say, desire to fit in the the fields from where we came out and uh, to find our own voice stream and not only to use that as a, let's say to be separate, but actually as a, I will say a stepping stone, this emancipation is a stepping stone to make, uh, let's say impact on different levels of um, thinking, let's say philosophical or scientific or empirical uh, taking in account the broad, very broad impact and the very broad contribution that information systems are making to the practical life. Yeah, I, I, precisely. Precisely. I mean, that's the. Uh, so when I say emancipation, obviously it's not it's not just unique to the problems that we are addressing. I think how the uh, how the discipline also is uh, forming or is uh, behaving. Uh, needs to be, uh, uh, you know, emancipated. I, I, I sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, I, I abhor the idea that, you know, sometimes you see information systems uh, want to be closer to computer science. You know, you find those who want to feel like they can do uh, what computer science is doing. Why should we bother about that? Uh, yeah. I think as you are forging an identity, uh, yeah. uh, let computer science have their own problems. Uh, and yeah. the other disciplines that we are, we are moving closer to have their own problems. Uh, the idea that we, we formed a discipline uh, and is now unique on its own requires that, yes, when we are forging links with others, uh, we should still have an identity uh, but our identity should be recognized and our contribution should be recognized. I think uh, I, I like the, the idea of emancipation where the, the discipline must be strong uh, to, for instance, negotiate or 
you know, collaborate uh, with other disciplines, where the other disciplines understand the contribution of IS without IS uh, thinking they are computer science or wanting to do what computer science is doing. I don't think it serves us, it doesn't do us any good. And, you know, sometimes when we start thinking that way, uh, you know, in some of the universities that uh, I have uh, uh, been involved, you see it even affects enrollment because yeah. now there's no clear distinction. What is information systems? What is computer science, uh, etc. So I think uh, the, the idea of emancipation is to, to embolden uh, information systems, make it stronger, uh, uh, you know, contribute uh, at a broader level uh, so that the other disciplines also recognize, look, this is how IS is contributing. Uh, yeah. And uh, I believe that that, that can gain, gain us respect. I know yeah. I'm talking like a politician, but I really believe that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, what I see is that, um, you know, sometimes uh, you walk the talk, you know, and uh, with some of the papers, uh, you actually uh, demonstrated that you walk the talk. And my question is now, why, why you don't continue it? with it, why there is such lack or what is the, I'm talking about the practical aspects behind. So for example, um, why didn't continue to exploring abduction, introduction, or let's say discovery aspects or conceptual generation of ideas? Uh, um, why there is, let's say, um, in a way, maybe I will use stronger discontinuity in your, let's say, philosophical forging in this direction? What is your, let's say, experience about that? Um, now, uh, first, yes, there, I, I've sort of had like a pause. Uh, yeah. Not a deliberate pause. Um, uh, in the community that uh, I deal with now, let me just mention, mm -hmm. uh, in the, uh, from a, a disciplinary perspective in information systems, I would say uh, one of my, my thesis is one of the first to use uh, critical realism. Yeah. Now, since, since then, uh, uh, I've, I've seen about probably uh, five or six PhDs. Uh, I'm now I'm speaking about South Africa. Yeah. Uh, five or six uh, PhDs that have used uh, critical realism. So the community has been small. And yep. uh, out of those five or six PhDs, I, I examined uh, three of them. So yep. already there is a community now forming from our perspective. And, and remember when I say emancipation now, I'm now referring to context. Yep. I've now uh, stopped talking about the idea of emancipation in terms of the discipline. Yep. Uh, but in terms of the context that we are in, and we are talking about Africa, yeah. And sometimes when you talk about concepts such as ICT4D and the way, the way the debates are presented, uh, we, we, we normally know that that's not really what is happening. Uh, but yeah. the debates are out there. And, and, and we struggle to get our contributions uh, be published, especially when we now use uh, our particular context. You know, for the last two, three years, I've been yeah. struggling to publish a paper on Zimbabwe. Yeah. And, you know, what, what, what I've, I've received feedback from three editors, uh, they are telling me that 
we don't have an audience for 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 this paper because yeah. they're looking at the, the country Zimbabwe, not yeah. on not on what is in the paper and what we are trying to to uh, to communicate. So these are some of the challenges, and so we have tried to do that. Uh, we have tried to go beyond that by uh, focusing on local conferences where we yeah. we try and. Uh, 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 you know, the, the students who are doing work in those areas can contribute in those conferences. Uh, there's a lot of talk about we need to move toward uh, creating uh, journals that, that are able to understand our context more. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that is not just for me. So yeah. at the community level, we uh, have been very few who yeah. have been trying to, uh, you know, talk about critical realism. Uh, so in South Africa, there are a number of people. I know there's one gentleman in, uh, in Kenya who did his PhD in critical realism yeah. uh, and wrote a paper or two based on critical realism. But again, he's also faced with pressures in terms of, okay, uh, how do I move beyond uh, yeah. the work that I did at PhD level uh, in order to continue this project? Uh, so... I know it's a long-winded answer. Uh, part of it uh, is also related to me, uh, you know, uh, changing jobs from one country to another. And sometimes you go to a department or a school where that that way of thinking is yeah. is not acceptable. Uh, we know that uh, this can influence uh, the work that you do. But uh, yeah. I think at the community level, that's what I, I want to say. Yeah, I thank but, you very uh, much. We are still committed to it and. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, for sure, after this interview, uh, you will see some work uh, because I think I'm encouraged by just having this interview, Prof. <laughs> that's that's very nice. And I, I'm, I'm um, how to say, I, I share your, um, sometimes your challenges and because yeah. I also uh, come from, um, let's say, not developed uh, uh, country and there is these challenges that sometimes you need to juggle a lot of things actually which yeah. maybe sometimes are not available to other places and other institutions and i just want to mention uh, now it's this um, which i find that I, I also wrote to the to the chairs of International of Conference Information Systems, they introduced this uh, mentoring uh, program. And I said to them that, okay. that, is what, that is one of very good things because uh, like me, I always, uh, to the journals, I go for the first round of review, but I rarely go to the second round and get it published. And I was just saying, okay, for ICs also, how how you to move forward because you have these ideas like what you have and thoughts, etc. And sometimes to let's say overcome the challenges uh, to assist. And they have this, uh, and I think an excellent uh, idea, an excellent program of um, yeah. mentoring. So they say if you have not published in this top conference. Um, then uh, you can actually uh, submit your short abstract and then we find a mentor from uh, uh, universities or individuals that have published it on these uh, uh, conferences that have the knowledge and they together can uh, you together with them can actually improve your paper and actually they don't they, they and that's very interesting in the very call for mentors 
they say the mentor should not be author of the paper. It should be, let's say, only mentor. And I said to them that that is one excellent initiative. And I think that uh, this initiative should be more or less uh, replicated on the other conferences. And I don't know for you, but sometimes also the course, if you want to represent, uh, you get accepted conference for paper, for example, and then you have a cost to present that uh, paper in this conference. I don't know how it's. In your case, probably the same like mine with the financial restrictions are um, an issue. And this is, let's say, uh, what I like about this talk is that that we are giving, um, let's say, um, a global overview of the uh, of the challenges that different uh, I scholars face in the in the in pushing their publications and pushing their ideas or communicating their ideas in a different sure. place. And what, what, what about, let's say, your, uh, in, in your, let's say, um, distilling and communicating, you, you have published it in top journals, etc. How do you think it's important to communicate? Because now we're talking with the conferences and how, how do you communicate your ideas with other scholars? And I, or I assume that you communicate from with other scholars with the philosophical streams. What is your experience on this? Not only from South Africa, but maybe from other parts of the world. We, we do, um, um, well, uh, let me mention that uh, actually that paper, the AMSIS paper got a lot of uh, attention and it allowed me to uh, communicate with a number of scholars uh, throughout the world. Uh, yep. I think I mentioned uh, even when Prof, Prof. Charlie Greger uh, yep. visited us in South Africa, you know, uh, for me, that was an opportunity for us to move uh, forward. Um, uh, but uh, therefore, it gave an opportunity. And you know, she came and did uh, a workshop where, uh, and our you know our students really benefited from it. So the next step was now to write a paper together. Uh, and uh, it, uh, I think the follow up then was uh, very poor on my part because of the changing jobs. Uh, but uh, we do communicate, uh, remember in the context that we operate in, for instance, we are required as a researchers to write research projects, uh, research proposals uh, with uh, international partners uh, uh, in order to get funding. Because the only way we are able to get funding, for instance, to go to conferences is through those uh, research uh, projects that uh, we, we get yeah. or we write with international partners. So, uh, you know, over the years, uh, for example, that is how I've been able to fund, for instance, my travels or the travels of uh, some of uh, my students. Yeah. Uh, but remember that the, 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 the research proposal calls are sometimes very specific in terms of the topics that needs to be addressed. And then there's also the influence of the international partner that, look, this is uh, for me, this is how I want to do uh, my research. So sometimes we have to, to, to vary the approach or change the approach in the research proposal, yeah. uh, obviously to meet, and you know, it is normal to yeah. meet the requirements that the international partner uh, wants, because at the end of the day, you know, if we're talking about 
from a developing country's con uh, context. We yes. need the funding more, so we have to change many things, uh, <laughs> depending, on, depending on what the international partner is. So right now, for example, let me just mention, yeah. you know, uh, I'm in collaboration with uh, uh, some colleagues uh, from uh, Russia, and their approach to doing science is very different. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing, uh, talking about uh, critical realism doesn't get me very far. Uh, <laughs> and, um, so the proposal must be structured in that way. And the yeah. kind of output that then has to come out uh, must be, uh, you know, must adhere to that arrangement that you have with the international partners. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think that's what I would comment on that. Yeah, I, I think uh, challenges, let's say it like that, uh, challenges yeah. that actually in the, the communication, it's a topic that also maybe more broadly discussed uh, and what is now based on this uh, what is your opinion about the future now what what you from your perspective think the eye's future should look like not maybe from philosophical aspects but also generally what do you think is from not necessarily only world level, but also from contextual level. What is the future of information systems, information systems research? What is your opinion about that? Um, let me start by saying that, uh, let me start by wiring first, then I, I give my opinion. Is that <laughs> <Okay>. fine? <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Well, no problem. I, I, I worry that um, uh, our focus on uh, technology has driven, driven us into a corner. We have, yeah. we, have, we have been a little bit overly focused on the technology aspect, uh, and it has driven us into a corner, sort of. Uh, it's my worry. Whether it is uh, a genuine worry, I don't know, uh, because uh, the, 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 the IT aspect is now, from the technology perspective, is it, so... Um, uh, all disciplines understand what it is. Let me say it that way. Yeah. Uh, they know what IT can do uh, in their discipline. Uh, if it is physics, if it is geography, how IT that we were claiming is our core, uh, is, is a core in many disciplines now and they know how to handle it. Yeah. So for me, then the question is, uh, if IT is becoming a core as a technology, in other disciplines, then what is the core of uh, information systems uh, discipline? Yep. So I think we need to start a debate where we must start clearly uh, understanding what is, again, information systems without yep. uh, putting ourselves in a corner where we are talking about IT. If IT can be a tool, then it means we must worry about what is our business uh, in terms of information systems? So yeah. uh, I, I think we need to start emphasizing uh, the concept of information. We must delve deeper into it. Uh, uh, and and if, you, if you read you know, uh, uh, the philosophy of information, for instance, let me just yeah. bring in philosophy. Yeah. Uh, it's a much, much broader uh, concept uh, than, than we sort of, try to handle it from, and you know, when we look at it, when IT is the core. So I think we need to start grappling a lot with 
the philosophy of information. And we yeah. also need to start focusing on this concept of systems. Because if we are saying it is information systems, uh, are we spending enough time, uh, you know, uh, uh, people understanding what it is that we, what is it that we do uh, when we talk about information systems? I think information yeah. systems, systems thinking must also now be uh, a core uh, focus so that in our training, not only of students, but the kind of research that our, 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 post, our doctoral students or our postgraduate students do, uh, the idea of systems thinking must start becoming core so that we start delineating what the core of information systems away from uh, this thing we are calling the IT artifact. Because it, yeah. it appears that it is still part of us but it is also a coin in the other areas as well, uh, whether it is in physics or you know in biology or whatever it is, uh, it yeah. is a coin in those areas. So I think we need to, <coughs> excuse me, we need to uh, sort of retrace our steps and start looking at uh, what was information anyway uh, in terms of the philosophy of information and why did the idea of systems uh, come in here? Yeah. Uh, in terms of defining the discipline. Uh, so probably from that thinking, we may start having domains in information systems that clearly define, uh, that may define who we are. Uh, I don't think we, uh, yeah, that may define who we are uh, so yeah. that we, uh, we, we may remain relevant. This, this yeah. was my worry and my uh, one cent of thought about what we need to think about. And I say this because look, look at how uh, you know, in disciplines such as accounting, they 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 are they are worried yeah. about the the influence of uh, these new uh, systems or technologies. You know, yeah. uh, uh, like blockchain, uh, auditing is worried. Uh, so they are they, they have to start thinking about how can they redefine uh, what they do either in auditing or in accounting. And, yeah. and I think we need to uh, we are also affected. We we need to think about it, Prof. Yeah, and I, I just you you mentioned very nicely now with the um, blockchain accounting and all the thing, and I will just try to expand yeah. this, which is like the challenge with the ubiquitous information society. Yeah. Yeah. If you see now uh, the technology is everywhere, and for example, if you study auditing and accounting, I think that with the more and more you will need to learn about information technology and how to um, make a symbiosis between your auditing and accounting practices with information technology and information systems because then the practice the social aspect let's say in a way and the technology will create an information system and this uh, let's say interactions may be something because if you go in accounting, if you go, there is some papers now published and I listen to other podcasts, for example, if you see artificial intelligence, yes. how it will impact uh, the, let's say, radiology, I think was the domain. And then the, the radiologist might become, let's say, much more engaged in artificial intelligence as a tool then they will be, let's say, aware about the streams that the information systems provide. So in a way, I, let's say, I, I, I see your, let's say, um, opinion about the future uh, opening, um, at least now for me, uh, a, a real question. How uh, the whole world now, you can extremely, let's say, generalize, the whole world is now one big information system. 
because uh, if you see it more or less, everything is interconnected. Uh, uh, and that uh, interconnection is because the information, some layers enable the information to move. So if I talk about now the COVID pandemic um, and the rise of the COVID, etc., I go on the internet and I immediately, you see how the information change and there is a huge infrastructure between countries, between uh, legal international bodies, uh, NGOs, uh, companies. And you can then I, I, I come to see now the world is information systems. And now with the land, launching of all these satellites, you can say now the, the not only the earth, but also its near surrounding is becoming one big uh, information, uh, information system. Yeah. And in, in that way, I think that uh, what you actually uh, said, um, I, I, I find it very, very thought, uh, let's say, provoking. And in, in this way, because um, I will just, I will not talk too much now. I, I just in this, <laughs> yes, yes. What, what, you, what you mentioned it now, um, I would like to focus on the second part now. So if we, let's okay. say, talk about philosophy of information and we are talking the information systems, let's say that will be more information systems are present yeah. everywhere. Can we, the eyes field now, provide contribution to the philosophy of, uh, philosophy of information, uh, philosophy of technology, um, philosophy of science, so should we go there or should we not go there in the in the in the future? What is your personally, opinion? Is personally, I think it is inevitable that we we need to uh, we need to go there. We need to what about uh, because just from the background that you've given, uh, how we are talking about, for example, a global information system now uh, uh, post COVID. Uh, people need to understand more about the philosophy of information uh, information systems also yeah. because we the infrastructure for information is now so so widespread and so pervasive um, yeah. I don't want to use the word ownership but yeah. let me use it who owns the philosophy of information or information systems is it, is it our discipline? Because if it is meant to be our discipline, then this is where we need to engage with more because the entire world is now uh, you know, a global information system. It is in the homes, it is in organizations, uh, how the world is operating. We are using the infrastructure for information systems. So if we own uh, you know, information systems, then this is uh, the time that, you know, philosophizing about information, philosophizing about information systems uh, should should become urgent and should become core uh, uh, to our discipline. Otherwise, it will be picked by another discipline. And, uh, you know, then we'll wonder what happened. Yeah. Uh, we should contribute now, uh, Pro. Yeah. Well, I think that now we, we, we started with a very nice opening and now we are ending with a very nice closure that actually we need to as you say make a little bit more bold movements and take ownership 
not ownership, let's say, not but bring contribution to the yeah. philosophy that actually it's very related to our work and very related to what we are uh, doing. And we should bring it a feedback to, to, to that. And before we just move forward in uh, closing the talk, I just wanted to yeah. mention that based on this talk, the ice field and the ice problems and um, let's say the ice challenges are different yeah. from the, in different contexts in and in different, let's say, um, how to say, um, problems that we want to tackle. But in a way, I see now that as we talked, is that the, the core problems, the philosophy, is the, 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 the same why questions we ask. So it is in this, let's say, uh, a little bit going up to the uh, scale of thinking, yeah. where we are more or less building the base through which we can actually move to a more different empirical context. And as a result of that, this research in different empirical contexts with different challenges can make stronger contribution, not to the scientific thought, but also to the philosophical thought. And it's just my opinion now. It's not a conclusion, just to make it sure. It's just my opinion. Absolutely, that yeah. Gonna, yeah, just to not be taken that I'm, I'm, I'm making a summary of our talk or something <laughs> like that. It's just, it's just my, yeah. my uh, opinion. I'm reflecting now on the talk which we, uh, we had. And I'm reflecting on the talks which we I had with other people, podcasts, yeah, conference, great. workshops, where we are talking about pluralism, you know, like uh, pluralism in information systems. And then when I see now, the pluralism, it doesn't reflect only methodologies. Yeah? It Absolutely. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't reflect only um, philosophical streams. And I just wanted to say that. So, but <laughs> it's not a not a summary or conclusion in a way. Just not to be taken in. Um, no, I think it's a good synthesis uh, yeah. of uh, you know the, the kind of discussion we've had. Yeah. Um, and to me, uh, I like the fact that you mentioned that uh, even though sometimes we talk about problems that are related to uh, different contexts, uh, but. Uh, at a broader level, like you rightly mentioned, we we worry about uh, broader things that may be general to even to the other contexts. Uh, you know, just to give a very quick example, you know, now we are worried about misinformation related to, uh, you know, uh, vaccines, COVID vaccines. I don't yeah. think it is just Africa that is worried about. I mean, I'm sure Europe has a problem, America has a problem. Yeah. And, and so the, the point is, uh, when we are able to address the issue of misinformation, and remember, it should be information systems talk, coming out strongly now, because yeah. if we understand how information moves, yeah. we should be able to be really contributing. Uh, so the, despite the context, uh, the, 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 the contribution uh, at a broader level will be relevant in different contexts, Prof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what I can say, uh, Professor Muganda, we spent a very nice hour talking, and now we are coming to the end of the of the podcast. 
And before we say uh, goodbye and move uh, in our days, um, do you want to mention something that we didn't uh, talk about it or you want to say something that you find needed to be said or appropriate, just feel uh, feel free and the floor is yours. <laughs> or I know, if not, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, absol I'm absolutely blown away the fact that you you gave us a platform uh, uh, to, to, to talk about uh, many things that affect uh, information systems, especially from a philosophical perspective. Uh, you know, that, that voice is necessary uh, to, so that uh, different people in different, when we, are, when we are talking about knowledge generation, I don't think that, uh, you know, for example, a journal should say that, uh, you know, that we don't have an audience for that paper. If it is about yeah. knowledge creation, yeah. then there must be a way of listening to uh, even those contexts that are underrepresented. That is the only way that we can, you know, as, as, as a global society, are able to capture different vo voices, particularly those that are not really represented in mainstream uh, thinking related to information systems. I think it's useful for people to know that and yeah. sometimes uh, allow, uh, you know, whether it is the editors or those who are looking at different uh, contributions uh, to try and see things from the perspective of the person who is seeking to contribute, Prof. That's yeah. what I would want to end with. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. I, I think it's uh, now the closure is even better. <laughs> <laughs> Now the closure is even even better, and I concur with what you say, and I uh, I think that uh, we is um, let's say I, I, let's say it, I as a as a scholar believe in this pluralism, and I said this pluralism needs to be on different aspects and different levels, and it's actually for me was normal thing to. Uh, let's say, contact you because I really like your work uh, and just to try to talk from a different uh, uh, perspective. And I must say that we have touched a lot of things and we talked about empirical, scientific and philosophical issues. And I'm confident that um, this podcast will actually uh, make contribution within our discipline to not only on philosophical thinking, but also on, let's say, um, emancipation uh, uh, thinking. And with this, I would like to thank you one more time for accepting, being a guest and having this wonderful conversation. And I wish you all the best and we stay in touch uh, through different forms of cooperation. Thank you very much, Prof. Uh, I also want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on this platform. I look forward to, continue to continuing to contribute and uh, the fact that you have prompted me, uh, uh, look, look forward for a paper which is philosophical in the future in IS. Thank you very much. I'm happy that uh, we will have, uh, let's say, not only broader win-win, but there will be also win that you will proceed with your philosophical uh, contributions. Thank you. Thank you, Prof. With this, I finish the, 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 the podcast and saying goodbye and having a nice day. Thank you. Bye-bye.
باي باي